Hey everyone, welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Eric Lockerstrom. I'm Paula Finley. I'm Nick Goldston. And uh, welcome to our podcast where we talk about triathlon, a little bit of what's going on in triathlon, and some of our triathlon journey. And But most importantly, we take questions from listeners and try to be helpful. The reason that we might be able to be helpful is that Paul and I are both professional triathletes. Nick is a amateur triathlete, but a uh, good friend of ours, and he helps us you know, bat around ideas and answer questions properly. Speaking of ideas, after watching World Championships in Nice, did it increase or decrease your likelihood to do an Ironman at all? And did it increase or decrease your likelihood of wanting to do that one? Uh, I think definitely watching it, my takeaway, not even processing that it was an Ironman, just like, this looks like a cool race. You know, that was more Super the honest thing. race. Yeah, there's like, this is an awesome course where the best well-rounded swim bike runner is going to come out on top. Yeah. I think we were saying, Nick, if it was in Kona, the podium probably would have been different. Like Patrick yeah. maybe in front. Like you Patrick couldn't won, I'm sure. hang on the bike on this course if you didn't have the strength because it was so hard and hilly. Yeah. Like and that. like made me wonder, like last year when Sam was off the front, but then Christian and Gustav and several other people were in a group behind him. And then they just barely caught him. Would that have happened this year? Or, yeah. if they, or you know, it, you can do a whole bunch of if yeah. and ands, but I think the takeaway was that it was super cool to watch. And I think the vibe and the atmosphere, from what I could tell from just watching the stream, looked like a lot of hype and a lot of really, really dedicated fans in a city that's behind the sport. So I think it was a success from my perspective, but I wasn't there. Yeah. I don't know if I want to do an Ironman, but, uh, that would be really high on my list. Yeah, I, I think I'd pick that one over Kona. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That was the basis of our whole conversation last week, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because right. Nick has the Kona boner, but I don't really have that. I do, I do. I feel like I, I watched Jan win in 2015, and I've never been able to let go of that image. And I feel like now I need to live in the shadow of the great Jan. What I will say is that it seems like the strongest person on the day won the race, which is nice to see. Like, he was really strong on the swim, led, you know, off the bike and then ran a great marathon. Uh, yep. We're talking about Sam Laidlow. So congratulations, Sam. Zero percent chance he listens to this, but it's fine. Of course. <laughs> of course. I'm a um, fan. We're not literally saying, hey, Sam Laidlow. Yeah. You. Right. You know, I think <laughs> he's like, reference. That's we were also talking voice. about winners <laughs> that are good for the sport. And I do think he's like good for the sport. He's entertaining. He's engaging. He's someone you want to cheer for. Totally. He's well-spoken. He's has a cool story with his family behind him. So yeah, in terms of like a winner that showed emotion crossing the line, all totally. these things that just make someone really, really likable likable, and easy to cheer for and be a fan of, I think he checks all the boxes. So I was happy to see it. Yeah, same. I just was missing what Eric said last week about a battle at the front. Once we knew that Patrick wasn't going to catch him, I just I wish there was a little more of that, but he clearly, clearly was the strongest. <laughs> you mean in your dreams at 2 a.m., you were wishing there was a battle? <laughs> well, I successfully woke up and did not check my phone and watch the rest of the race. Oh, damn. Okay. Damn. Yeah, so I, I didn't know. Um, and I watched it, most of it, at one and a half times speed <laughs> on YouTube, Um which is funny because when you do that and then you, I, for the last like 10K, I switched back to regular speed and your, you, your eyes get used to the run cadence of one and a half times speed yeah. and the one time speed is like, wait a second, they're not running so this slow. slow. It looks like they're just like death marching, but you know, you just get used to it. Yeah, that's so funny. I was like waking up in the night to pee and stuff as I do and like quickly turning on the live stream and checking the right. split. So I was like updating Eric secretly at like 1 a.m. He didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't love that. I'm trying to freaking sleep. I don't care. Like, I'm going to find out in the morning. That was my plan. I was like, oh my God, right. Sam's destroying everybody. Jan is not in the picture. Oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is fast for Eric. If, we, if we're cool to move on here, I had a couple of updates for us. So the first thing is that <laughs> this is now a, a three-part series of the USAT refs and what the situation is. No. So, it's just one well, it's final like an update ongoing here. Series. Okay, make it fast. We have to. We have to correct something. Refs are paid for Ironman races. They're just not the people in the tents that are kind of like uh, overseeing the penalties. They're volunteers. Okay. 
So the ones that you go and argue with when you yeah, get your they can't do anything. <laughs> Referees aren't going anywhere near that. <laughs> all right, yeah, all they right. can't do that. So that's the update on that. Um, and then also, I wanted to update. Uh, this is from Don. He said, "Not a question, but I enjoyed hearing about Nick's dad and his discovery of the cloud monsters." I'm not an 80-year-old, but I am 51 with hip arthritis, <laughs> i.e. an 80-year-old left hip, and can confirm the cloud monsters <laughs> make it possible for us old dudes to keep running. Hope you're doing really well, Don. And I'm excited because I, for the first time, I'm uh, they're, they're in shipment right now, going to be running in cloud monsters as well. So I'm excited to try them, too. Nice. Who did you get the shipment from? Uh, I talked to Hannah. Oh, nice. Yeah, Hannah got me two pairs of shoes. Wait. Yeah. Hannah's hooking it up. I hope I, I hope nice. I'm not uh, putting Hannah on blast on the podcast. I hope she won't get in trouble for this. I'll clear it with her first <laughs> before it goes live. <laughs> um, okay, so next thing here, we're gonna do a little, and we haven't done this in a while, and I know it's a very popular segment. We're gonna do a little bike tech with Eric. Bike tech with Eric. I was actually just doing bike tech with Eric in the garage by myself on my broken brake lever because he crashed Ouch. yesterday. Ooh, oh, hot teaser for we- later. Yeah, should we? Can we, we just went straight into talking about freaking Ironman World Championships and didn't even talk about what's going on? Well, Paula said not to bring it up because your knee still hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's a touchy subject. Eric I mean, crashed I, it yesterday. Doesn't matter to me if anybody knows. Eric was on a five-hour ride, and I kept like checking, find friends. Where are you? Not updating. Getting super annoyed because I just want him to update me every once in a while on his five-hour mountain every, bike ride. Every five minutes, you want him to update you? No, like every. Two and a half hours, like once. (laughs) But I get a text four and a half hours in that was like, I crashed, but it's fine. I'm coming home. And I'm like, okay, do you need a pickup? Like, how bad is this crash? And then he shows up and he's like bloody all over, super bad road rash, gashed his shin, obviously is very sore to the point where I'm like, "Ah, I don't even know how to like wash off all this yucky road rash because he crashed on lava rock with dust and all the grossness. Um, I guess Eric should be telling this story, though. You're doing such a great job. I'm enjoying <laughs> hearing you say it. Apparently, it was on a trail. I mean, my personal opinion is Eric was going too fast on it, and I wasn't even there. And I think he got too excited. He was, like, sending it, you know, like they say. This is Yeah, this is what mountain <laughs> biking <one> says. is. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, like, a rock that was kind of hidden under dust or sand or something. And... Hit it and on a on a trail where people ride big downhill bikes and shuttle it. But Eric's yeah. on like this little cross country bike and it just didn't have the capability to handle that blow. Um, so I think that when you're on trails like that, Eric, you need to go a bit slower. You're completely right. I started out very conservatively what? and I just got more you're and more excited. It's like it's true. This Nick. is like a 25 minute downhill. You just like get into it, you know. Right. But this was. I mean, I still feel like I was riding within my abilities, but this particular spot on this particular trail, I, I still don't know what I hit. It was, uh-huh. everything was going fantastically. I didn't like identify any sort of an obstacle and all of a sudden, boom, just flying through the air over my handlebars, yeah, smashing my body into the ground. So, like it could have been worse, but his knees kind of banged up, which sucks because he's leaving for Italy with you, Nick, on Saturday um, yeah. for Xterra World. So hopefully... He can get in some training before that. And the other thing is this, the cut on his shin was so deep that he got three stitches. So ideally, he should not swim for a bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, not, which also is swim, not ideal. Should, can't really run. Wait, didn't you pray for a swimming injury last week? And here we yeah, go. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I did. It's very ironic. It's very, very, very... <laughs> like, you get... Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Unfortunately, right. it's, it's affecting the other two things as well at this point. And that right. is not what I wished for. Yeah, it sucks, but uh, we're really grateful for our friend Nate, who's an ER doctor, and did the stitches for Eric. He basically numbed it, cleaned all the stuff out of it because it's super deep and dusty, and then stitched it up. And I felt super queasy. It's a good thing I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Yeah, but I was I had a bed to lay down on. Paula was having to stay sitting upright in a chair. Which, if I had to stay sitting upright in a chair, is is doctors like, oh wow, that's a lot deeper than I thought. Yeah. Don't say that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor I'm just forever. Be laying down. I mean, I still kind of do want to be a doctor, but I don't know. That not an ER doctor. 
Yes. Oh well, how God. often are Easy. doctors looking at like open wounds like that, right? A surgeon maybe, but a doctor, I can't imagine it's that common. Well, like, there are times of medicine where you would never have to, but it's I you wouldn't but you wouldn't like your training. That's true. School. And by comparison, yeah, sure. like this is not that bad of a no of a gash that of what you'd normally see. So anyway, that sucks. Well, speedy recovery, yep. Eric. We hope. But you're walking oh. around just fine. It, it's it's. I know it's sore today, but it just happened yesterday. I mean, think if you had like yeah. a really rough workout, right? It takes a few days to even yeah. Recover of course, from that. he was supposed to take a day off today, and he of course he went to try to oh. run. So you know, that's fine. But I, I walked and jogged a little bit until it bothered me. But yeah, I think it'll be okay. It just uh, it was not part of the plan when I feel like I had a somewhat limited time of focus training here with my mountain bike. Before going to Worlds to you know, try yeah. to get a little bit more fitness. Okay, so back to bike tech with Eric. Uh, <laughs> this is a brief interlude. Here's a question from Chris from Sacramento. Hi, Flynn, Nick, Paula, and Eric. I have a pair of specialized Torch 2 road shoes that I love. But hold just on. this. Hold on. Nick, Flynn, Paula, and Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, Flynn, Flynn, Flynn first. <laughs> no, we're not answering this question. <laughs> Flynn first, then Nick. I, I don't <laughs> want to know who this person Paula. is. I did just <laughs> then d- Eric last. <laughs> In order of importance. <laughs> yeah. And contribution to the podcast. Yeah, Let's start. Exactly. If you're new here, Flynn is our dog. <laughs> yeah. And he contributes jack shit. He contributes negative. He's negative. He pays no taxes. He is himself a bill. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway. Uh, okay, so sorry. Uh, sorry, Chris, you got a little roasted there, but don't start your highs with Flynn. Um, so Chris says, I have a pair of specialized Torch 2 road shoes that I love, but just this last week, one of the Boa laces snapped. I was wondering if you, probably Eric, have any experience with replacing the Boa. I really like these shoes for my road bike, and I'm trying to avoid doing the huge sin of using my tri shoes for training and on my road bike. I'm also trying to avoid buying a new pair of shoes since I'm working hard to finish paying off my student loads. I'm on track to be done by August of this year. I love you guys, and I'm super stoked for your guys' race season, especially you, Flynn, who I see is still holding strong to more Strava followers than Nick. So this is a question from a long time ago that I saved. Uh, Flynn no longer is anywhere near me in Strava followers. Well, we're slacking on him with his Wahoo. I saw like the last update from him was like in May or something. Shoot. Well, we've been traveling and it's all, yeah. Well, we'll say Flynn Lots Strava is, is Flynn the GWP, right? So you can check him out on Strava. Yeah, anyone who doesn't follow Flynn, go do it now. We got to catch up to Nick. So what's the question? <laughs> the lace snapped for the boa. Is there any way That's to true. fix that? The Like the boa cord? The plastic, snapped? yeah, the little plastic cord. Yeah, you can just get replacement entire boa units and they screw right in. So, so they clip right in. So it's so you don't have to replace the whole shoe. You can just replace the singular boa. Yeah, I would just yeah. You replace the boa. It comes with the crank and everything. I would get. I think they come in twos anyway. And a new set of boas is going to. You'll just be glad you did it anyway because it's going to feel incredible. Right. But you yeah you don't you just do the whole unit. Great. So that's is that it's if you think it's user serviceable? It's easy to do yourself at home, or would you bring it into a shop? No, I would. I don't think uh, you would need to bring it into a shop. If you've got a shop that'll do it for you, awesome. But uh, it, it's like you get a little flathead screwdriver in and like pop the boa dial off and undo this cord. I think you should be able to do it at home. And where do you get the boas from? Specialized.com? Uh, yeah. Specialized is going to have like the specific ones for Specialized. Gotcha. Versus you can't just like get a random boa, brand boa. Gotcha. Ski boot. Okay, okay. Cool. Thank you, Eric. That's great. And then one more bike tech with Eric here. This one's a little more involved. Uh, Hi, mom, dad, and dad. Love. See, that's better. There's no Flynn involved. Uh, I love being a part of the best family in triathlon. I'm wondering if we could get some bike tech with Eric. I finally got myself set up with a set of tubeless training wheels and converted the racing wheels to tubeless as well with the Schwalbe ones. I punctured on my first ride on the training wheels and it was too big to seal running some stands, which is a brand of sealant. I had my gravel bacon strip style plugs, but they were too big. Bought the road dyno plugs and still wouldn't hold about 60 PSI without spitting sealant. 
I know I can pull the tire and patch on the inside, but I've always struggled with a sealant making a mess when I pull tires on the gravel bike. How do I pull a tire with sealant in it? Can I reuse and reinstall the tire? How do I clean out all of the old sealant to store the tires for later use? And if I put a Dyna plug in a nearly new tire uh, and it did seal, can I really ride the life of the tire with that Dyna plug in there? Or will I always have issues with it? That just sounds like bad luck that you install tubeless and then get a gash that big. That's bad luck. That's very bad luck. That's nothing to do with like the technology of tubeless not sealing. That's just some gashes are so big they're not savable. But in that case, your tubed tire would also be unsavable. So it'd be done. Yeah. yeah. Um and if it's not sealing, even if you put in like a Dyna plug or any of those solutions, I I would just get a new one. Yeah. Versus patching it. Yeah. Yeah, it might be worth just getting a new one. But I, I would say that the down the one downside of tubeless, sort of hijack bike tech with Eric, but it is messy. So no matter what, when you take off the tire and there's sealant, you gotta be really careful. We have like a laundry room kind of like cleaning up tub that we use to dump stuff like that into, but it's gonna make a mess. But you can get it off there, right, Eric? I've seen you do it and keep it like all within the tire before. Yeah. yeah, if you're careful, yeah. Yeah, I just I'm just really careful with it and make sure that you like maintain the boat style, you know, bit of the bottom of the tire when you take it off and then I'll like hang it over something, like my bike work stand so that it maintains that tension and the boat style. Especially oh. with a gravel tire that already has <clears throat> some structure. Some of the yeah. road tires are so floppy that it's really hard to keep it curved. Yeah. I guess if you wanted to really go for the minimum amount of mess possible, if you've got an empty one of the like two ounce syringe style like squirt bottles that stands come in, you've got an empty one of those, you can just like slowly suck as much of the sealant out of the tire as possible before like fully removing it from the wheel. And that'll minimize how much you get all over the place and then you just squirt it back in after. And do you think that if this person takes the tire off and cleans out the inside and hangs it up as long as it's not in the sun in a cool place. Do you think that tire could be reused then months later, even like a year later? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I've got I've got a closet full of mountain bike tires that I've had for one year, two years, because they're like for very specific situations, like extreme mud when we did Maui or whatever. And I put them on and I've taken them back off and they're all just sitting there aging. Like Lance Armstrong was, I'm not like a, I'll say anything about Lance Armstrong, but he was like famous for having tires that had been aged like six years or something. They just, they would make the tire and they would go put them in a warehouse and they just sit there. Really? First, you know, for whatever voodoo reason. Oh, it was like more of a, it wasn't a practical reason. A superstitious a, reason? No, it was. It was some sort of aging with how long it had been since the tire was created or whatever. Oh. I just thought it would be more supple or something. That's interesting. And then the last little thing here, can a Dynaplug last forever for the life of the tire? Do you trust it? Yeah. Yeah. I've had a Dynaplug in a tire and a gravel tire for months and months. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's if I was getting ready to do a gravel race or some really big ride I, where I was concerned about getting stuck or something, then maybe I would take that opportunity to swap out that tire for a new one. But for just doing training rides... Yeah, Fine. or even like put a race tire on there, or whatever, and then put your old tire back on there for training with the Dyna plug in it. So you're not necessarily like replacing it prematurely yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, it's a lot more likely for it to work on a mountain bike tire, or a gravel tire with lower pressure than it is for a higher pressure road tire. Well, there you go. And that question was from Erica. So Erica, uh, hopefully that helps. Uh, moving on here, we're going to go on to our main questions, That even though those were questions. Those are questions specifically for Eric, but these are questions that you can send into the podcast yourself. You can send these in at thattriathlonlife.com slash podcast, where you can also become a podcast supporter. We don't do ad reads on the podcast. We rely on podcast supporters. And every week we try to pick a podcast supporter that gets a little special uh, piece of gear that we produce. And those are also on thattriathlonlife.com. So this week we put our random number generator to work and found that drum roll. Amy Oliphant, you want a pair of socks. Congratulations. Just find me on Instagram, message me, and make sure the address is right, and I'll send you those socks out right away. First question here is from Barbara. Hi, Paula, Eric, and Nick. 
Love your podcast. I have a question about going to races that are in different time zones and that are hot and humid. I live on Vancouver Island and am doing the Ironman World Championships in Kona. This will be my second time there. I'm a little concerned and freaking out because I made my flights and hotel reservations too close to the race. I usually go to all my races a week out from the race, but this time I messed up and I'm only five days out from the race. I'm there on Monday at 6.30 p.m. I'm worried that I won't be ready to race for Saturday. I'm going into the sauna after my swimming. Is there anything else I can do to help me acclimatize to Hawaii weather before I go to the race? Barbara, this this to me is like classic type A super tri- like triathlete that's like needs to check all the boxes. To me, Monday um, is perfectly fine, but m- that's a guys- lot of time. Like pros go out to Kona super early just to like ride the course and because that's their job and they have the time to do it. But Monday is completely reasonable and that's a lot of time. Um, I would also say that the two days difference or three days difference of a week is not going to help you acclimatize to the conditions necessarily any better. No. And I think that week you don't really want to be acclimatizing to it because it's so close to the race and acclimatizing to hot and humid temperatures takes energy. It's just tiring you out, right? Yeah. So yeah. what you're doing by going in the sauna after swimming, doing some acclimatizing work before you leave is going to be more beneficial anyway. Um, yeah, it's too, time- late. too late one week out. Yeah, it's too late when we go anyway. And you're on the West Coast. The time change is not huge. The flight is pretty short. I think Monday is fine. I'd probably go Monday if I was racing. But it's, it's. I'd say Monday is too late, but it's not too late now for uh, World Championships, which are four or five weeks away, to do some heat prep, right? Yeah, totally. Of course. That's kind of the timeline that I would do anyway, is like, you know, six or five weeks out, start the sauna heat protocol. We've talked about it in previous podcasts with like the core sensor and stuff. That's a bit scientific, but any kind of exposure to heat and humidity will just make your body better prepared once you arrive. It's going to be hot either way. Like that's the nature of that island. And Barbara's been there before, so I'm sure she she knows. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, next question here is from Steven. Hey, everyone, love your podcast. I had an issue in the past with muscle cramps, primarily quads and hamstrings. That's happened on both the bike and the run. I've read and listened to many differing viewpoints around the causes, but I would love to know if any of you have experienced the dreaded muscle cramps and how you were able to work through them, particularly during a race. And do you have any suggestions for hopefully eliminating them? Have you been recommending using certain supplements? Is it hydration related, sodium, et cetera, muscle fatigue? Thanks so much and keep the awesome episodes coming. Steven. Neither of you, I can't recall really a time that either of you have, uh, like had debilitating cramps. Yeah, it's not really an issue that I face. No, um, I've occasionally had like one muscle cramping for a minute, but it's not it hasn't been like. It's not where it's debilitating yeah, at the point where stop. you have to stop. Yeah. yeah, but Nick, you've had them before. I have had them before. Yeah. I, what I, do you do? Well, I first of all, like I have also uh, as Stephen has like read forums on the internet and read stuff about it tried to figure out because it was a problem for me for a, in a few different races. And I think it's easy people like, oh, it's a sodium thing, or it's like, oh, it's a nutrition thing. Oh, it's a stretching thing. And I think the it's never just one thing. I, I think it is, for certain people, it is very much a whatever sodium thing. But for example, my friend Serena, who just raced Santa Cruz last weekend, she took in 6,000 milligrams of salt on the bike and still had severe cramping issues on the run. So, I mean, that's an insane amount of salt to take. It's probably cramping because you got too much salt. Is that possible? (laughs) (laughs) But but what I mean is like there's- Imbalance. There's, there's, and she's super strong. She's super fit. It's, it's, there's other stuff that can happen. So for me, I have noticed consistently the reason I'm cramping, and I've said this before, and it sounds like a joke, but is when I'm putting my body through something that I haven't prepared for well enough in training that I mm. didn't do a good job to, to, to train for. And it's like when I'm doing a longer ride at a higher intensity than I've ever done before or a longer run at a higher intensity than I've ever done before, like I cramped on my first Olympic. Uh, and now I would, I would, I, I'm very unlikely to cramp on Olympic. So that's for me the problem. For some other people, you change a bike fit a little bit and they get cramps because they're utilizing muscles they weren't using before. For example, me yeah. this weekend, I did this 
these intervals on the TT bike and I haven't been riding the TT, the TT bike a lot. And I cramped a little bit in my like groin and in my hamstrings because it was a different stress on my body that I wasn't properly used to. Mm. So I, 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 I don't know. It seems like it's for me, it's when I push myself a little too far. Other people swear by the sodium thing. Other people swear by uh, nutrition Hydrating. things. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It, it can happen for a variety of reasons. It only happens to me if I eat Chipotle and then run it within five minutes. But that's like, but is that like a stomach ache or you mean? <laughs> that might be a stomach ache, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you did the double chicken and the guac and the cheese and the sour yeah. cream. Yeah. <laughs> then I get an ache. Yeah. So hopefully that helps a little bit. But I, I find like training, training for me at least anecdotally, like preparing training myself in training is what is what fixes it. Um Okay, next question here is, is from Rover the Triathlon Dog, and Paula loves this question, so we're reading it for her, but Paula does promise me she does have an answer for this. Hi, TTL Nash. I love your podcast and listen to it every week with my owner. My question is for Flint. My owner is a longtime triathlete and takes me out running with them. I really enjoy our runs. They've now switched to the 70.3 distance, <laughs> and they've been taking me out to their long runs. I was fine with the shorter runs, but I find that I bonk with any runs over an hour. Do you have any nutrition tips for me? Do you load up on carbs before the run or carry some nutrition with you? Thanks in advance for your insights. Next time, I'll ask for some tips on staying arrow while in my owner's bike basket. Rover the triathlon dog. Cute. Um, when I said this to Eric, when I read it out, Eric's like, dogs don't bonk. Dogs get tired, but it's not nutrition related. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more likely they would maybe need water in the heat. But when Flynn is super active, like doing, I don't know, we can't really run with him for more than an hour because his joints just can't handle it. He's so big and he has no regulator to turn it off. You know, he'll just go, go, go until he dies. But if he has a super active day, like we're camping around the river, he's paddleboarding, I will give him an extra cup of food at night or half a cup, something like that. Mm. Um, and he acts hungry all the time. He's not a pig, like he's not super food motivated, but he does let us know when he's hungry. And I think that's just because his like metabolism is so high and he's super active all the time. Um, but I would just be careful, I guess, with the increased run distance with the dog, like especially if they appear to be struggling. That's when I get concerned with Flynn. If we've overdone it and he's barely getting back to the car and he's limping or he's panting too hard, that might be too much. So maybe stick with the shorter runs with Rover. But don't bring food on the run. That's insane. It seems like humans are really well adapted to progressive loading our training and getting better and better at running further and further and further. And I just don't know if that is common across all mammals. It, mm. So like certain dogs, I think maybe uh, like Flynn, like Flynn's never going to be able to run a marathon alongside you, potentially. Yeah. Or maybe you could yeah. train him. And and uh, and like you said, most of the time for Flynn, the problem is he'll hurt himself. Not yeah. that he's yeah. bonking. Like he doesn't yeah. know bonking. He will he will go until he's passing out on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think honestly have we ever had a point where we felt like we could continue running in the middle of the winter and Flynn wasn't okay. I feel like anytime I can think of that you would have said that Flynn is it was too much running was in the heat. In the heat, yeah. And he's just panting so hard and appears like he's going to die, but I don't can't remember ever experiencing that like on a winter run yeah, in Canmore. Yeah, he can kind of go forever in the snow cuz he's cooled off and even in the creek like if he can dip off and drink every couple K, he's he's fine. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be like a fitness thing versus a thermal barrier. Yeah. In my, from what I can get, can yeah, tell. Yeah, that's true. But we know people that run with their dogs for like hours and hours and but it is really it is, same, breed, is it the breed same breed dependent. Yeah. Breed dependent. Yeah. Um, but in terms of carbo loading, I don't know. Don't change your dog's diet too much. I think that they have really sensitive stomachs compared to humans. I mean, and the thing about this, like a dog is not that far removed from its, you know, lineage where it needed to catch an animal to survive. And you're not catching an animal in the morning and the evening every single day. Like <laughs> yeah. dog, dogs would go for like days at a time without eating. Also, you're not catching an presumably. animal for 90 minutes. You're catching it for 45 seconds, right? Yeah. At most. 
I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I think they've definitely gone, you know, are well adapted to a low glycemic, <laughs> like low glycogen stores. Than yeah, we are. right. Yeah. I would say this, we, um, we know we have a pretty wide audience here. If there's anyone that is a vet or some kind of expert on this, we would love to have you, maybe you can message me um, and, and tell us what your thoughts are on this subject. Because we have a lot of people listen to the podcast that have dogs, and this might interest a lot of people. Yep. It's interesting to me. I just have personal experience. Yeah. Uh, next question is from John. Hi, Paul, Eric, and Nick. Question for you all on managing health issues in the lead up to a race. I'm currently two weeks out from 70.3 Jones Beach, which is the first year of this race. I was going to do it, but I'm going to be in Italy with Eric, so I might do that race next year. Uh, And have come down with a pretty nasty sinus infection over the past week. I've been taking over the counter meds, but the severe congestion has made cardio difficult to manage. And my energy levels overall are quite low. I had been really dialed into training over the past two to three months in the lead up to the race, so I feel like I have very good fitness foundation right now. With that being said, would you ever take two to three days off completely from training and try to expedite a recovery so you could get proper training in over the next one and a half weeks? Or would you try to train through the sickness to some degree while potentially risking a longer overall recovery? Thanks for all that you do for the TTL community, John. First of all, John... Sam Laidlow had COVID two two or three weeks ago, and then he won world championships. So the good news is you could still get a really good result out of this. But the question still stands, Eric and Paula, would you guys take two to three days off completely to try to expedite your recovery from illness? Uh, I think it just kind of depends on the nature of the illness. If it's like a coughing thing and it hurts to breathe, or if you just really feel so terrible that you can't actually get any quality work in, then... Yeah, definitely take some time off. Well, I don't think quality work is what he's after. I think even when you when you have a sinus infection and you are, you're fatigued, is going for an hour easy ride worth That's, it? Yeah. That's kind of what he's getting at. Yeah, no. No. I had this whole situation at World Championships for cycling a couple of weeks ago. I guess like a month ago now. But really bad congestion leading up to it. I felt like I didn't have a choice but to go out and exercise because I had to like preview the course. Had I laid in bed for all day and rested more, I think I may have felt better on race day. But you kind of have to read the situation. If you're still two weeks out from the race, yeah, I think taking two or three days off is probably a good idea. And it'll just make you more rested. You're not going to lose fitness in two or three days. It can only be good. So I would say like go for a walk be active, do yoga, or like move a bit, but you don't need to go train while you're that sick. As an age grouper, I I also would take two to three days off completely for sure. If I was feeling really sick, for sure. But if you're just dealing with minor things, a lot of it for me is, do I actually feel like training? Or is my brain and body telling me to, I don't feel like it? I, I tend to try to listen to that personally. I don't feel like training any day though. And I still do it. That run I just went on, I was not (laughs) excited about it, but I was greeted by a beautiful, beautiful rainbow. If anyone who lives in LA, if you saw the rainbow today, it was uh, unbelievable. There was, everyone was out taking photos. We don't get rainbows here that often. Go see it now. Yeah. Go back in time (laughs) and see it. (laughs) Run out. Eric's never sick. And I would have said I'm never sick either until I got sick at the most important time of my life. So yeah. (laughs) I'm about to for my sickness. Oh, wait, I crashed. That's kind of like a sickness. Yeah, yeah, Eric's supposed to take two or three days off and he ran run today, so don't take his advice. <laughs> well, it's curiosity Poor got the Eric. best of him. We were trying to debate with Eric's knee if like, it was better to go for a little jog or go for a ride. I thought maybe riding would be better just with the, no impact, but the range of motion is so much bigger. Mm. So he figured running was safer. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So swimming would be the best. It's also easier just to go walking. Yeah, swimming would be great if it didn't have the stitches. I got like the perfect combination of uh, injuries here to not be able to do anything. Uh, Paulo told me to not to not do anything just because of the knee bonk, uh, and then the doctor told me to not swim for three days. He said if I wasn't racing world championships in two weeks, he would tell me not to swim for ten days. So oh, everybody okay. has stitches. That's the, right. that's the actual rule. <laughs> Got it. So pa- Paolo, by the way, is your coach. So two yeah. reputable sources telling you to take the day off. Yeah. yeah. Just ice the knee, <clears throat> get the inflammation down. Got it. So John, <clears throat> do whatever you've, you're, you're feeling, but I think we're all a fan of taking two to three days off. 
Here's a good question. Next one is from Kylie here. Hey guys, what are the advantages of different sized crank lengths? Is it a bike fit issue and what do you all run? I heard Eric say before he has 165 millimeter on his mountain bike. Love oh. it. Short and sweet. That was Best the question. question crank arm length is interesting for TT bikes because by shortening them, you increase the angle of your hip when you are on the pedal stroke and your knee is you're high, less, close to your chest. You're less pinched. Off less at pinched the top. on your hip. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have been shortening their crank arms on their TT bikes for that reason to have a more open hip angle and make it easier to run off the bike. So that's why we both have 165, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, I guess the thing that you might bump up against and that people would argue on the other end of it of going too short would cost you some leverage. So, so that yeah. used to be what people said, but then they did some research on it and showed that there wasn't really a significant power loss by doing that. So, Sweet, I, so let's I, run 50s. Well, yeah, there is a point where there is, but I don't think the 175 and 165, they found that there's not a significant power loss there. It's just like cadence. Like there's a range that is a a, a pretty wide range that is efficient depending on your physiology, depending on what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like if you're like 6'5 and running 145s. Right. I think there's (laughs) got to be a spot of diminishing returns. Yeah, definitely. But for us, like super average sized people, I don't think, yeah, I didn't really notice much of a difference between 172 fives is where I started. Now I'm at 165. Just over the years, crank arm uh, approval for going short has shorter and shorter. Also, don't forget that if you changed your crank arm length, you need to adjust your saddle height as well because your foot will be not Not as close to the ground. So you need to raise your saddle. Yeah. It's, you got to think about it kind of backwards, but. People often do that, like change their cranks and then leave their saddle, and then their saddle's too low. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So. It could be ten mil if you if you had one seventy fives on there to go to one seventy. That's that's significant. Going from one seventy five to one sixty five is a lot. Yeah, I don't even think they send one seventy fives on bikes anymore. Yeah, one seventy is kind of normal, and then one seventy two five might be like one seventy two five is like what what my bike came with, and then I switched it to one sixty five for my CT bike as well for the same reasons. Yeah. I think that you can go lower on a TT bike, maybe higher on a road bike, but your mountain bike is 165? Uh, yeah, I just did that because it felt better on my hip and my road bike and my TT bike were both 165s as well. So Keep it the same. I just felt like I don't want my muscles to be doing too many different things. Did you ever think about the pedal striking as a potential also bonus to keeping shorter cranks or do you think that's not an issue? It's an issue for me, Nick, with how hard I corner. <laughs> with how hard you pedal through corners? Yeah. It's yeah, we're not doing fixed gear crits here, so no. You can, you know, coast and have your pedal up in a corner. Yeah. We just got uh specialized e-bikes. Oh and yeah, you did. They're low to the like we felt like when we were cornering on those, because you kind of want to pedal through the corner sometimes. Yeah. Those can hit the ground. So you gotta Real be careful. Pedal strike risk. They're um they're the Globe Hall STs and they are so super cool. fun. So cool. We each got one so we can like e-bike together. It's really cute. But so they, adorable. The cool thing about them is they have like all these attachments with baskets so you can do useful activities with these bikes, like take them grocery shopping or I don't know, in their ads, they have people like delivering newspapers and stuff because they have such a big storage capacity and like a huge capacity for weight as well. So you can really load those puppies up. Yeah, I'm going to... Kit mine out with uh, like attachments for gimbals and cameras and places to put my drone and yeah, stuff like that. Love Film that. bike. We've wanted e-bikes for a while. And then when we were at Worlds watching the mountain biking, our specialized guy, JB, was like, oh, I want to send you guys these hauls. They're so cool. Like you can do so many things with them. We're like, we will accept. <laughs> well, do you guys remember? We <laughs> yes. were at Specialized on the launch day of yes, that bike. Yes, of course. And we went to the launch party, definitely not because we heard they had cake, but because we were excited about the bike. <laughs> Nothing to do with cake. It was fun. Yeah, we were there for my for the wind tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. And they were launching this bike and they for the employees, they had right. a party like cake and whatever, LaCroix. <laughs> and then they offered us some cake and we didn't want to be rude. So, of course, we Fine. had some cake. But it wasn't just any cake. It was like helmet shaped. Yeah, it was a great. It was very creative. Like the kind of cake Thematic. that they make on like Cake Wars. Yeah. <laughs> actually, one of the bikes was actually a cake. We didn't realize that until we until they cut into it. <laughs> until we sat on it. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> I'll just take that one. 
I'll pay for it. Anyway, we did, after having the cake, we all agreed that we needed one of those bikes yeah. as soon as possible. And we're really psyched that they made it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's cool. I can't wait to ride it the next time I'm in Bend. Yeah, you're going to have to get one, Nick. Actually, my mom wants to buy one now, so we've at least sold one. Wow. That's great. We love that. The, <laughs> the marketing is working. We really need to get a coupon code track our sales. <laughs> we did have someone that 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 emailed in who said that they wanted like affiliate links from us so that they could give us credit for the stuff we recommend. I know. We'll put the we'll put the engineering team on it. If I had a okay, dollar Josh. for every cloud monster I've sold. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you, 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 would be you sold one you sold one to my dad. So <laughs> um okay and then last year is a bit of a kind of a discussion or uh I, I don't know. I'm just going to read it for you and then we'll see where it goes. Kind of a discussion about hamburgers. Let's hear it. Yes. Um, and it's kind of long. So, and I didn't pare it down at all, but here we go. It's okay. I love it. I like it. I'm into okay. it. So here it is. This is, um, we can't, we, we're keeping this anonymous and you'll see obvious reasons. Uh, you had a dentist comment on sugary foods. You had a referee comment on regulations and a laundry expert give advice about detergent. Oh, speaking of which, I did just get my Dirty Labs detergent in today. I unboxed it live uh, on FaceTime for Paula. So I'm excited to use that as well. Um, uh, back to the question. So I feel the need to chime in here based on the recent question regarding McDonald's. I work at McDonald's headquarters in their technology division and being a super healthy eater myself, oftentimes ask myself the same question as last week's listener. Here's my professional opinion as it relates to McDonald's. Like you said, eat what you want and what makes you feel happy after a race. But if you think that a unique burger place or an artisanal organic restaurant that is so cute is healthier for you in some way, it's not. It has similar nutritional value. Juicier burger sounds good, but to me, it also sounds potentially undercooked. And I can promise you, because I've seen it, McDonald's has super high food safety standards. So if you find yourself in Singapore next time, you are better off eating and drinking McDonald's. I wonder if that's a jab at the uh, everyone getting sick from the water. Um, healthiest option at McDonald's is a quarter pounder. It's never frozen with no cheese. Double up on all the veggies, easy to do in the app. And if you are hungrier, opt for four nuggets versus fries and lay off the sauces. Yes, ketchup is a sauce. Every food has the right place, time and quantity. Cheers. And uh, keep it anonymous. Great. So. Is that a low-key McDonald's ad? So. <laughs> for that chicken sandwich? It's a quarter pounder, Eric. It's not a chicken sandwich. I'm going to fight against this here. And I think, first of all, like we, whatever we say here has nothing to do with how body types, body sizes, calorie counts. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about, I feel like McDonald's is often used in context of like, oh, it's bad for you. It makes you gain weight. That's not at all what we're talking about here. We're talking about the quality of the food. And my resistance to this is just because something doesn't make you ill, doesn't give you a stomach ache, doesn't mean that it's not harmful for you, right? There's a lot of things you can eat. For example, like aspartame was this, sugar replacement that's been used in diet sodas and gum a lot and people have been eating it for years and now just this year it's officially a carcinogenic substance so it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to make you ill to be not good for you that's that's my stance on this and for them to say that mcdonald's is in no way uh less healthy than an artisanal burger place i think this I whole thing is ridiculous because we were making zero comments about health with our post-race splurge food. This is entirely not even the, what the question that we answered was about. We were just saying, we prefer that artisanal burger to a McDonald's, generally speaking. It has nothing to do with health. Or food safety this standards. post-race party mode. I enjoyed hearing, though, about McDonald's, hearing the safety standards, knowing that the quarter pounder's never frozen. That's all super interesting to me. I don't know. I think it's a fair point that he's making. That's another thing. Frozen foods, like freezing vegetables at the source, a lot of times preserves more nutrients than keeping vegetables fresh and never frozen. There's not ne necessarily anything inherently bad about freezing foods. A lot yeah, of times he's talking about the tasty juiciness, freshness. Yeah, right, right. And I, I'll say, I'll agree with Eric on this. Like if McDonald's made 
a burger that was the same size as some of these burgers that I'm thinking of at like a local place, I would, I would be maybe more into that. The, my, the problem I have with McDonald's burgers is that those thin little patties are not going to satisfy my craving after a 70.3. I need something that's going to like put me in a coma. Well, isn't a quarter pounder a quarter pounder of meat? Yeah, but I want like a triple quarter pounder. I want a three quarter pounder. Oh, gotcha. Hey, dude, okay. Maybe that exists. Maybe you don't even know. Yeah, but I have had like a full pound patty burger before. <laughs> it is uh, a unit. It, it does not mess around, but it was fun. It's it's like people I was the people I was with were like, this guy needs help. Yeah. Is it a, is it a pound before it's cooked or after? Oh, I don't know. Probably before. Yeah, it's yeah, probably, probably like the raw meat is yeah. a pound. Interesting. I don't know. I don't want to give this guy a hard time because I th- I read it and I thought, oh wow, fair point. We have no reason to bash McDonald's here. Um, I was just saying, in defense of us, we did not say the McDonald's was in defense sick. of us. It was less healthy than those restaurants. We were just saying that's true. That's true in terms of like personal preference, taste, experience, yeah. all of that. Yeah, some people might prefer. The artisanal grass-fed elk burger. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, last thing I'll say is that a third pound burger, which is, of course, bigger than a quarter pound burger, but people weren't buying it because they thought it was smaller because the number three is smaller than than the number four. Gosh. Gosh. So dumb. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's another little They have to call that like, let's think of a name where you could call that burger that would make it. Sound bigger. That's why they have the double quarter pounder. Okay. Because even if you said a half pounder, they might also think that's smaller. Half. I want the full. (laughs) (laughs) I want the full quarter pounder. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want the half quarter pounder. (laughs) Oh, this is great content. No one is listening anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I do like chicken nuggets, though, I will say. And if you're into health, switch the fries out for the chicken nuggets. And don't get the McFlurries. But if you're into living your life to the fullest, get the McFlurries. (laughs) Next. I'm here for a good time, not a long time, okay? (laughs) Well, those are all the questions that we had. Uh, But I would like to say that I am heavily considering, I'm like 95% of the way there, doing uh, 70.3 Los Cabos on November 5th. And I also found out recently... Well, I was going to do it and then Eric's all mad because like he wants to go to Xterra Tahiti and he wants either me or you to go with him, Nick. And now he's mad that we're having a Los Cabos party and no one wants to go to Tahiti with him. So if you're listening to this, if you want to go to Tahiti with me, (laughs) send a pic. (laughs) Yeah, send a pic and I'll swipe right or left. I don't know. You got to be a very cute redhead triathlete. Those are the... (laughs) If you have a dog named Flynn, that helps as well. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah I don't know Nick I'm torn okay I mean I actually might race Augusta next weekend oh really I still haven't booked anything for it but I'm on the start list okay and I have no reason not to do it except you haven't booked anything other than I don't want to <laughs> but I feel like for, I'm in this weird place where nothing sounds great Nothing's really motivating me, but also I'm like, this is my job. It's only beginning of September. I don't want to take a break now. So it's the post Euro trip, multiple world championships funk. Yeah, I'm in a funk. And I'm like, I should just go to Augusta and try to win a race and then take a break. I don't know. I'm so torn. If anyone has a like a massive Airbnb in Augusta. Like and it's feeling and it's feeling especially generous. That's gonna put it over the edge. <laughs> and a private jet to fly me there. <laughs> we'll provide you with two double quarter pounders with cheese as payment <laughs> for the Airbnb. No, I would pay. I would obviously contribute. Um, but all the hotels are sold out. So Oh sad. really? For the for the race. It always happens like right around transition, you know, every hotel is like yeah. four times more expensive and sold out. So, it's funny because the Los Cabos stuff is not. There's like tons of stuff available. That's because it's a resort place. It's literally all hotels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got it. So it's actually a pretty easy race to do because of that. Other than the blistering heat on the run. If you're interested in racing Los Cabos, go watch our Los Cabos YouTube video from a long time ago. 
Yeah. We do that. We say where to swim, what grocery store to go to, what coffee shop to go to. It's one of my favorite videos. Yeah. That was like the start of our, um, we didn't even call it TTL back then, but no. we were doing like race guides kind of thinking that people would watch them a year later or two years later and go back I, for advice. I watched it. Yeah. It's actually really, really, really good advice. It's funny to hear you guys talk. It's like, Eric's like, uh, my name is Eric Lagerstrom. This is Paula Finley, my girlfriend. It's like, yeah, we know, dude. <laughs> now it's so silly. But at the time, it's like, of course, you had to introduce yourselves. And yeah. yeah, maybe if I kept introducing us all the way till now, we would have gotten more subscribers. Uh, last thing I'll say is that we're recording this on Monday. Tomorrow is Tuesday. Uh, we don't do ad reads on this pod, but we do like to talk about our sponsors. Wahoo is one of them, and they are releasing the Wahoo Kicker Move tomorrow, which is a really cool kicker that literally moves back and forth, side to side. It's kind of like real life feel. So when you put your bike on it, there's some motion as if you're riding on the road, which is super cool. We love it. Made and a really sweet video. Yeah. That I got to upload right now. It's out, right? It'll come, it'll have come out two days before the podcast comes out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it'll be out. We don't know what the price point is, but... If you have a kicker, obviously you've never had a reason to buy a new kicker because they never break, but now's your reason to buy a new kicker because the move is different. It truly feels different. You have the option to lock it so it can act like a regular kicker, but the front and back, side to side motion, getting up out of the saddle and sprinting, all of that is surprisingly feels like you're riding on the road. Yeah. So it's cool. For those of us with old people, worn out hips, feels great. Yeah, it's good for your body to not be so, so mm -hmm. rigid on it's the like trainer. like a cloud monster of trainers. Possibly more revolutionary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Don't do ad reads, but go buy a cloud monster, a Wahoo <laughs> kicker move. Right. Yeah. Athletic greens. <laughs> we wouldn't bring it up if we weren't legitimately excited about it. The video is awesome. The thing is really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's neat. It's a neat bit of kit. As if we needed more things in our garage. Okay, so next week, uh, Eric and I are going to be in Italy on Monday, uh, and Paula, you will. So, still do be I here. get a week off? Uh, maybe. I don't know if I'm going to let you off the hook that easily. I think we'll we have should to put your mom on the pod. His mom. She can like come My in, mom. like phone a friend. She can like pop in for a minute. <laughs> she'll come in. She'll make herself known. She is uh, assertive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she'll be great on it. <laughs> She's an interesting I mean, lady, I don't know sure. how any of this works with the mics, so I think I get a week off. Okay, we could do that because uh, then Eric and I can talk Xterra in Italy. We'll see. Maybe we can even get some other athlete from Xterra on. Yeah, send healing vibes to Eric so he can be better in time for his race, and we will chat with you next week. Ciao. Bye. Bye.